Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello. You heard it, sports reporters. We have indeed reassembled. Andrew Hammond, shades on in the club, is here. You you know press. why? Uh, oh, we we were about to learn something was about to be a why there, Bob. I don't know what happened. Andrew just got taken away in the board next. <laughs> he throws me why? Wow. Elon Musk, give us Andrew back. We want to hear what he has to say. He's lost Elon. in the vortex. Oh, there he yeah, is. There He's go. back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Hey, Andrew. Hey. <laughs> How are you? What were you about to say? What was the why there? I was like, you guys know why I had the shades on. Mm, we no. won't talk about it, but we, but you guys know why. Um, I don't yeah, know why. No, it's Michigan. It's Michigan, Michigan State Week. Um, oh, that's why you have to wear sunglasses. Sure. Well, no, that's. Hold on. It is not Michigan, Michigan State Week. Yes, it, it is. No, it is. It's oh, Tennessee, it, Kentucky Week. Yes. It's it's the, oh yeah, I forgot that's a rivalry in the SEC. First time these two teams have been ranked at the same time when playing each other since like 1951. I know. Yeah. Are you nervous that no, Tennessee could wreck, or, or, or Kentucky could wreck Tennessee season? They're good enough to do it. You weren't nervous at all? No, I think it's going to be a lot like the LSU game. I think Tennessee wins by three scores. Man, I don't know. This could be a – and I'll keep it brief so, Bob. (laughs) But this could be a game where Will Levis kind of tricks a few GMs into taking him in the first few rounds. I don't think so. He's projected to go in the first round in at least one mock I've read. Mm. Look at look at look at Bob getting after it. Well, hold on. Bob loves the draft. I don't know if you remember. I, oh, I do. Oh, I do. I do. Love the draft. <laughs> I'm not. I have not gotten into draft mode yet. I, mm. I merely, you know, as a, a light aperitif, sampled a mock that came across mm. my timeline, and uh, I said, "Oh, who's that quarterback? Will Levis. Okay, that seems like a guy." He oh, dunks oh. his bananas or something in mayonnaise and coffee. What is this thing? He... Oh, Andrew, you got muted. What? Andrew oh, knows, okay. but he's muted. There he is. Yeah, nope. So yes. he puts his he puts mayonnaise in his coffee to mm. substitute as a creamer. <laughs> so a so allegedly his girlfriend told him, "Oh yeah, I just use <laughs> mayonnaise as a creamer." If I and he's like, "Oh," and apparently. <laughs> Because love does love makes you do crazy things. He's like, oh, it's not oh. a problem. And then he also puts uh, he also eats bananas with the peel on. Those are two huge red flags. He's <laughs> off my draft board. <laughs> I, I, I don't I, I, get it down. There's no way I can get down a, a banana just biting into a banana with the skin. I, I tried butter coffee. That's the thing that was making the rounds for a while is people using butter, butter? as a butter. Oh, because butter. it's basically dairy. It's dairy. It's yeah. basically dairy. Um, this is for people who were who wanted a smoother, creamier cup of coffee, but I don't know. They're into the whole animal fats thing. I tried it. It was it mellowed out the acidity, sure, but yeah, you that's, were drinking. Yeah. And the, I guess the same principle works for but, mayonnaise because you're pretty much just oil. Oil. Yeah. it is basically oil 
It is in it's oil and egg yolks is mayonnaise. That's Ugh. that's an aioli. You never made an aioli, have you, Chase? I don't, I'll bite. What's an aioli? It's like a mayonnaise. Spray. Mayonnaise yeah. is an aioli. It's a it's, it's a fancy thing. spray. It's a fancy mayonnaise. Is in fact one of the mother sauces, despite its ubiquitous ubiquitous consumption in the United States. A mother it's sauce. French, it's one of the French mother sauces. Mother sauce. These are baseline sauces in French culinary tradition from which you can build off other sauces. Bob's getting it fancy is, again. Mayonnaise it's not is like, like a, a sauce made out of your mother or one that you put on your mother. Just to clarify when I say mother sauce. I didn't need to clarify that. Okay. No. Moving on. Didn't need to no. clarify. I wouldn't. Okay. Look, that was a mayonnaise, deal breaker may- for me, by the way. Mayonnaise, mayonnaise. Is, mayonnaise is just an emulsion. It is combining the protein in an egg yolk with oil and you whip them up and that's how you make mayonnaise that's it when you buy it in the store it will have other chemicals and stabilizers to keep it uh so you can keep it in your fridge for longer than an aioli or any other uh similar concoction will last but it's basically the same thing i'm just not a sounds good i like mayo i like mayo mayo. a, a nasty condiment and it was one of those where it's a date deal. It's breaker. a mother sauce. We've just discussed this. I, I, I understand the mother sauce aspect to this, but <laughs> I I was just always out. Like there's nothing more disgusting than seeing someone else uh dip something in mayonnaise, eat something with mayonnaise. There's just it's a very, very it's, it's uh, it plays a role in one of I think the funnier jokes in Freud's wit and its relation to the unconscious, which mm-hmm. you, which I'm sure you're, he puts a lot of jokes. Guy. Yeah, Freud Freud wrote this book when he was heavily self-medicating with cocaine. Mm. So some of the jokes don't land as like well anyone as anyone really did. <laughs> like, 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 like most of us do. As, as they did to Freud when he was writing them. But one of the jokes under the categories of absurdist humor is a man goes to a fancy dinner party mm-hmm. and he sees a small dish and he sits down at the table and he sees a small dish of mayonnaise set beside each plate. And so... He immediately, like, reaches his hands in and starts rubbing it through his hair. And the host, who is appalled, says, sir, what are you doing? That's mayonnaise. And the man says, mayonnaise? I thought it was spinach. (laughs) Again, he was doing a lot of cocaine that he was prescribing to himself. Bob, I love you. Bob, I love you. These are Freud's jokes, not mine. That was... (laughs) And absolutely, like, it's so bad that you just have to chuckle at the effort yes. that you put into it. Sure. Someday what was the last show really... you went to, Bob? Have you been to a comedy show recently in New York? Comedy show? <laughs> uh, I, I, saw, I went to see Ali Wong in New York last oh, year. Oh, cool. Oh, is she good? Yeah. Did you go see Chris Red? I heard he, uh, he has uh, one heck of a comedy show. Uh, I did not. Chris Who? Red. He, Former SNL, yeah. Uh, I don't know who that is. Don't know if you. Oh, don't know um, yeah. Chase, of course, because he's black. Um, <laughs> got him. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. you like that one, Max? What did you think that? Of that was that that that, that <laughs> was the All Star Game. There. Throw yeah. it off the backboard and then dunk it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. No, but uh, I'm Chris, just not going to say anything else for the Chris, rest of the pod. I, I, I believe Chris Red was uh, was about to do a set or just finished a set, 
at a nightclub in New York City. Yeah. And so I sucker punched him. Like, yeah. it was just like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, which he, got, is, he got seriously, he got laid out. Yeah. So I was assuming Bob was there. Um, yeah, no, I was not. I missed no. him. Okay, so he has an alibi. The best he looks familiar. I've just never he's I didn't on know he was on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you've probably seen him in like the NBA on TNT bits that they that they did from time to time. Mm. The best stand-up set I ever saw was many years ago. I saw Bob Goldthwaite do a, do, do stand-up comedy. This was he's great. funny. He's he's yeah. good. Um, I just feel like there isn't a lot of like good new specials to check out as of late. I. I feel like a lot of it's still not back to normal or I don't know if everything was cut off from the pandemic and we're still just kind of have a backlog of a lot of cool venues and a lot of cool shows. Well, a lot of comedians are saying that comedy isn't funny now because, um, Mm. you know, everybody's soft. There's a very very interesting feature on uh, in the New Yorker. <laughs> Freud and the New Yorker in one podcast. Yeah, you're getting you're getting quite pretentious uh, there, Rob. Not to, not Hold to on, just to be clear. Like, Bob's wearing a beanie indoors in New York City, so he's no, he's in peak there's New a York. Sean drawing on the wall here. If you really want me to bring it home, um, mm-hmm. uh, Max, come get your your man in your man's. Yeah, um, come get your man's. On on what's his name? The 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 SNL comedian who got canceled. Which one? The one oh, is Bill Murray this past week. Is it Jim Brewer? No, Chevy Chase. One, I forget his own name all of a sudden. The one who was hired and then they oh, dug because up he was making fun of Boeing Yang? Or he was making fun of Asians? He was just making racist anti-Asian. Yeah, he was doing yeah. a racist Asian voice and he got, yeah. uh, what's his name? I do remember um, what you're talking about. I, I know I, who I you're, know talking, you're talking, about. talking about. Jinx. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. Because he lasted, it was like, hey, he didn't even get on the show. Yeah, like he, he, they were, they announced him, and then like a week later, it was like Shane Gillis, ladies and gentlemen, is the answer we're looking for. Is he on parlor now? Because uh, because no, 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 no. They did. There's a a fairly nuanced article on him in the New Yorker about what he's Mm. doing now, and it, it. Look, he the like the fact that the jokes are were just awful and like straight up racist gets a kind of the kid gloves treatment. But um, it's an interesting article. I'm I'm not a huge stand up comedy fan. I've never particularly hmm. enjoyed. I don't I don't seek out stand up comedy and think that's the thing I want to do or want to watch. Um, I don't. It is very hard for me to find a stand up comic really, really, really funny. I will say, Jake, like, one of Jake my favorite... Hansen is a comic who I thought was hilariously funny, but nobody remembers Jake. He was a 90s comic. Who? Didn't never get, like, his name is Jake Johansson. He never got a TV show or anything like that. Because so. yeah, either they get a TV sh- either, like, 90s comics got a TV show, or they were featured on something with MTV, or... Yeah. They just kind of faded into obscurity and did sure direct to DVD, direct to DVD sequels um, of popular Jake, movies. Jake, if you're out there and you're listening to the pod, it, we I love you. I enjoyed your work. I will um, say one yeah, of my. I'm not a stand-up comedy aficionado, so I I, I can't tell. Like uh, Ali Wong was. Here's the thing. I. 
I can recognize that a joke is funny, but it takes a lot for me to actually reach the point of where I, where I will laugh out loud at stand-up comedy, even if I can intellectually say, okay, that is a funny joke, I get why. And when I'm in a room with people who are laughing, my natural inclination is not to laugh. I don't like laughing when there are lots and lots of other people laughing. Interesting. I, Contrarian I mean, Bob ask, Silverman. You can you can ask my therapist why that is, and and my therapist probably has some good theories. But it is really like, for example, I this also makes you going to school the kind of school you did in France all that more all interesting. There's so many layers to this. Yeah. Oh man, I told you about the 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 the, the, the toughest clown exercise there is, the Ring of Fire, didn't I? I I'll try to tell. So. I'll try to tell it very briefly. When we get to clowning in the second trimester of the second year, uh-huh. second semester of the second year at my fancy theater school. Okay, here's the first clowning exercise. Everybody in the, every, your entire class is seated on the floor in the studio against the back wall. Mm-hmm. About 35 people. You leave the studio. You come in, you put on your nose outside, you come in, you walk center stage. Your goal is to make every single person in the room burst out in gut busting, back slapping, doubled over laughter. That is what you want to do. The problem is you are not allowed to do anything to make them laugh. You cannot tell a joke. You cannot pull a pratfall. You cannot make funny faces. You cannot consciously do anything to make them laugh, but you have to make them laugh. Hmm. You cannot, speaking, you cannot do that. If your goal is, you you cannot do anything. And it's immediately clear when someone consciously is trying to do something to make people laugh. Just wear it out. Just, just, just show up to class wearing an elf t-shirt. No, 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 no. We, we all have to wear the exact same clothes to class every single day. Everyone wears a black top and black pants. That's it. You cannot wear anything else. You cannot wear, you cannot bring props. That is an active act. You cannot do that. You're, now, if you try to do something to make people laugh, you have to leave the room, come back in and start all over again. And the exercise isn't over until every single person in the room is laughing. So it takes as long as it takes. Who's your Who's your Who's your teacher? Herb Brooks again. No, no. Again. I thought you were going to go Barry season named, four over named, here. Like this is some Barry stuff a right very, here. Very dark Norwegian man named Jos Huben. Um, mm. But we'll tell Huben that he yeah, used to go Huben himself. All right, this is an is a time old technique. Any case, so what happens is. You stand there in the center of the room. You get sent out a couple of times because everyone can see you trying to do something to make people laugh. You send out, you come back, you send out, you come back. And you just have to stand there in the center of the room and fail. You have to feel like death, like you wish the earth would open up underneath you because there are a sea of 30 faces staring at you, stone-faced, not laughing, looking bored and or angry at you. Oh, so Notre Dame's offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when, and only when, you've reached the absolute pit of despair and just have to sit in that that awfulness, then everyone bursts out laughing. 
because that's oh, so it's one. Russell Westbrook. Oh, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, you went from Notre Dame to Russell Westbrook. I understand that. Thank you. But the thing is, no two people fail in the exact same way. So you have to, you cannot copy the way everyone else, someone else appeared to go through into the pit of despair. You just have to really experience it and feel like human trash. And then people laugh. Oh man, that's... That, that's the first, one of the first exercises in Clune School. Yeah. That's AHAM 20, uh, 2012 right there. Yeah, yeah, it gets, it gets, it gets a little dark. Uh, so yeah, a room, but... Irrespective of that, I don't like being in comedy shows because I don't like it when audience members are laughing around me. Being on stage and having other people laugh, that's a totally different thing. That I like a lot. That's fun for me. I'm not laughing. Being that part of the audience is laughing is something else. In any case, there's a little little behind the curtains how the sausage is made at Snooty French Clown School. I like it. I will say, I mean, I very much love stand-up comedy and going to shows and um back in atlanta i went a lot um to open mic nights and watch folks and a lot just went to a lot of different shows anyway um i remember seeing sebastian maniscalco when before he was big and just being i that was one of those snooty chases on the inside track here where i saw him i'm like oh that's like the new jerry seinfeld i remember oh, walking I knew, that guy when. I, yes. I knew him before he was big got it yes and i remember walking I have, out with i have all of tito puente's albums <laughs> <laughs> well i will say one of my favorite nights of my adult life was in la um uh, about six years ago i guess now maybe seven um and it was at the comedy store in I la and i went and saw uh well, andrew what i was like i knew you were gonna say the comedy store yes and i uh like the funny thing about the comedy store and pulling up I remember we didn't know where to park uh, and we're pulling up and we, you pick the wrong side street in LA and you never know what you're going to pull up on. And we pulled up on the side street and there's just two dudes doing Coke, like just in the alleyway. And they're like, probably you shouldn't park here. So back up, let's just find another spot. Um, <laughs> How do you do Coke in an alleyway? It's like more of a, are they just doing bumps off of like yes. doing key bumps? Oh, okay. Okay. Yes, they're doing Yes and we pull out and we're like yeah this is probably not gonna work and we we go in and i wanted to go because i had this circled um it was bill burr it was uh norm mcdonald and david spade and uh what's his name uh dana carvey dana carvey and that's a good that's a good it was good and bill burr wasn't announced so i was just going for norm because i was just such a big norm guy and I, uh, I, he was fantastic in person. I'm glad I was able to see him before he passed a couple years later, but I, uh, I, I was amazed that David Spade was the headliner of that group. I thought that was strange, but he's fine. He's funny, um, in his own right, but Bill Burr getting to see him go back and forth with someone in the crowd is one of the more unbelievable human interactions a person can see is a comedian going one-on-one with an audience member in in real time there is not anything like it where you don't know where it's going and you you're just so amazed by the back and forth and what they're saying and it feels like you're at a boxing match where you're like what is happening in this public setting in this public forum and when they're going back and forth with yes the comedian. and you're like i 
this is getting meaner and meaner. Why is this woman doing this? <laughs> and it's just getting worse. I, I didn't understand why. Because she, I remember, started it by blurting something out to him in one of his jokes. And I, Bill Burr's in the top five of comics I would never want to heckle, especially when he has been doing this for a very long time. Like, just you really don't want that in your life. And I remember the whole crowd just gasped when she said something because everyone kind of <laughs> knew this is not going to go well for you. And I remember she got up crying and like, I think she, I, I, I don't know if she left, but it was like a weird back and forth and it was, it was rough. And, um, it was, it was just weird because she said something, but I, I always thought after that, and I, even just in general for folks who go to events, whether it's a play and they're on their iPad during it, or you go to a Broadway show, or you go to a comedy show in a bad mood, or you go to a comedy show looking to get mad. I've never understood that where it's like that person. I just wondered why were you there? Cause I don't think she was on a date. I think she was, why would you go and like with the attitude of like, you're not funny and you're like, this is not like what I don't understand what you thought this was going to be. And then to get involved with the show, just, I don't understand the psychosis involved in that kind of behavior. That's, I mean, okay. Think about it though. Mm -hmm. Like how many people do you see a day get in, have main character syndrome on Twitter? Sure. How many times yes. That's like in your private yes. house. That's like you just on, I could like, it's not okay, in real life. I think, I think it's different in real I think life. It's this, do you, look, imagine, that, or just think about the feelings that you felt watching this woman suddenly get roasted. Yeah. It When you're at the center of that, yeah, it's painful and kind of humiliating, but it, you're very alive. <laughs> I mean, it's a profound sensation. Not mm -hmm. to say she's a masochist or anything like that, because I don't know this woman at she all. She might be. Uh, she might be, but it is a huge rush to suddenly realize that you, for that one second, are the most important person in that room. Hmm. For a room yeah. full of strangers, you are the most important person in the world for those X number of minutes that, that she got roasted. Mm -hmm. And that's that can be fun. Yeah. That can be very fun. There, there was a moment where you kind of get that in press conferences sometimes when you're talking to a coach and the question you have may be even like any journalist or any sports writer that says that they've never asked a bad question in a press conference is lying um, because the coach may not go off, but they may be kind of sarcastic. And I remember I was asking a coach, basically I was asking this coach, that they've come up short so many times. You know, what is it essentially? What is it going to take to finish? And he gave me this look. And if it was, it was at a P five program. But if it was at a P five program, nobody cares about. So if it was at a P five program that people cared about, it would have been one of those where it's like, oh, he's mad at X reporter, but nobody <laughs> gave a crap. But yeah, for like that, like. 30 second back and forth that we had it was like okay this could get a little awkward but at the same time you're like i asked the question people I, are paying attention <laughs> I, I i asked the first time i asked a question where i knew that 
just it would actually be captured on camera is I went to the press conference, the NBA press conference when they for a story when they announced that Donald Sterling was being banned for life. And I got called on by Commissioner Silver and I said, I said, I don't even remember what I said. But for someone who has a, a history of being in the performing arts, that was more stage fright than I ever experienced in my entire life. Hmm. And I got up and I'm there. I'm like, I realized like, oh, I'm on ESPN right now asking this question. <laughs> oh, I don't have any lines. I just have to talk and not sound like an idiot. And I think I, I think I asked something. I was like, you know, you're banning this this person for life, but I think I said something like, but he only he only maintains a, a you know a certain percentage owner. He doesn't maintain a full controlling ownership of the Clippers. If your point is to force the team to be sold, is the rest of the Sterling family going to be forced to comply or something like that? I worded it badly, but I was trying to say like, are you going to force Shelly Sterling to sell the team? Mm -hmm. And he sort of dodged the question, I think. I don't know. I have no idea what his answer was, but it was, I wasn't, you know, going into a stand-up comedy show with a bad attitude, hoping to get... Mm -hmm hoping to get a, a few tongue lashings from Bill Burr, but it was just <gasps> that being for one second, the center of the, the basketball world was, I, I went into a fugue state uh, is how mm. I would describe it. It was terrifying. terrifying. Do you remember uh, Tom Haberstroh in the back and forth from like the finals in like 2010, 2011, or it was during the Miami LeBron years. And that reporter who asked really, really crazy questions and Tom just kept doing that. He went viral because Tom just kept getting cut off by the, the reporter. Oh, kept yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. That was an all-time moment. I miss those days. That was great. You know, I, I miss the I, – I miss the aspect of a press conference, and they don't do much of those anymore – but when somebody asks a question, at whether it be the finals or a game, and they actually show the reporter, and they because they do it with the White yes. House briefings, and yeah, you see yeah, everybody's yeah. reaction. There was one time I forgot who it was. Um, the dude who runs Black Sports Online. We won't talk about uh, him, <laughs> but but he was asking a question. Yeah, yeah, keep trashing the thing. Um, but he was asking a question. It was during one of the finals. I want to say it was either 2013, 2014, something like that. And he's asking this question. And it's a very Captain Obvious question. And because let's keep it, let's peel back the curtain a bit. There are some people who go to press conferences who should not ask questions. He is chief among them. And so he's asking this question. And I want to say it was either Spo, it was either Spo or uh, it was either Spo or Pop. And I remember, I think it was Spo because that's when I realized, oh, Spo. Even in a win, Spo can yeah. get a little pissy, and he's just kind of like, "Why are you asking me this question?" I when know. it's like, like you can figure this out. I... People around him are just like, "Really." This is what yeah, the, the, the shots the shots of the reporters rolling their eyes at a question during the press conference are often delightful. Do they have they stopped? I mean, granted, I'm not watching I'm not covering basketball enough now that I need to watch a press conference on NBA TV or something like that. But do they still do that? I feel like they I mean, granted during COVID, they 
during COVID, they sort of, mm, but those used to be a, the televised pressers with shots of the reporters used to be a regular feature. And I feel they, like they went away. They did it. Uh, so they actually did it during COVID during the finals, but they did it with uh, the, the reporters that were there, but they were all staggered. And it was kind of, right, right. it was actually kind of funny to see like this, zigzag row of like seven to the only seven to nine reporters that were actually allowed to be on or in the arena Uh, but yeah i think they still did it um i think this past finals they actually kind of brought back the the post-game video um they didn't show it as much but i know that they did um which i kind of miss i'm with you yeah those are fun I like yeah. those. You never it's, know what would it's, happen. It's, it's good unscripted filler. comedy. Yeah. It, the, the the LeBron basically saying uh y'all at the end of the day, y'all broke. Um yeah. after uh what was it was it after they lost the finals to Dallas? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That was that was an all timer because I'm just like, wait a minute. Did he just basically just call or, the rest or, of us broke? Or or now or you know, granted, it wasn't a big and like it was just a Warriors game, but you know, KD going in on Sherwood Strauss—that was a classic press conference moment. Was that pre-Warriors or post-Warriors? No, was or, with the or was that pre-Warriors? Say, that was during, or, yeah. Oh, okay, that was during the Warriors because Strauss was working for was he was with ESPN, but he was in Oakland. Covering, mm-hmm. covering this is before the, the book, the, though. The, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he yes, before the book, he was the Warriors. He was their Warriors beat guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man. Well, this naturally leads us to Adam Silver, who uh, immediately walked back uh, the tanking uh, relegation uh, idea. Where Bob, would... <laughs> it's not, but like it, it's not him. Like he, this is the whole thing. There is like that optic of. Adam Silver runs the NBA. Roger Goodell runs the NFL as commissioner. And commissioners don't do that. And there's this idea that, well, if Adam Silver wants this, then that's going to be what happens. And it's like, well, no, it's the owners, the, the Adam collective. Silver doesn't, and Adam Silver doesn't want it either. I mean, yeah. I don't know. He's clearly cannot... a big Premier League guy and soccer okay. guy. So what what's going to happen? You're going to one year you're going to you're going to send the Sacramento Kings to the G League and bring up the Sioux Falls Sky Horse one year? Is that what we're going to do? Like the NBA, how do you renegotiate television contracts in that case? There's way too much money tied up in the cities where they're in for this to happen. It's he doesn't want it to happen. He would like teams not to tank mm-hmm. because people tend not to buy tickets to see teams that are designed to lose. And people tend not to watch games of teams that are designed to be bad. So obviously he would prefer it if everyone tried their very best. But the, the financial structure of pro basketball does not work the same way as soccer, where you have the kind of where you in European soccer or the Premier League, you have the kind of municipalities where if you swap out, you know, I don't know soccer, so you know. Tungsten on Huntley for <laughs> for South Watfordshire. It's actually not that big a deal in terms of the dollars and cents. So you can do it there. You you know, okay, great. Now that's a Ted Lasso plot. Like I only know about the Premier League because it's a Ted Lasso plot line. But sorry, Adam Silver does not want that. He is just he is just he's just 
he's making content, man. That's all he's mm-hmm. doing. Like like this call about like the, the news that leaked today about the NBA owners really wanting a salary cap. I'm sure they would like a salary cap in the NBA, but it's not going to actually. Wait, what do you mean? They have a salary cap. Do you mean like a hard cap? No, a yeah. hard cap. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna, yeah. Get rid of the luxury tax and install a hard cap. Mm-hmm. But they won't call they it a hard cap. Right, but whatever. That but they can't, then that get one, they'd have to get concessions from the players uh, in the next collective bargaining agreement. Oh, oh, you mean the, you mean the collection, you mean today the they just pretty much put the first stake in the ground on why there's going to yeah. be a strike in a few years. They're not, they're not going to, they're not going to like, they br- also, they bring it up every time the CBA is, is a couple of years from running out. It is a, this is a, they have brought it up. They, yes, those owners would like a hard spending limit. It would save them some money, but Every ownership group would prefer a hard cap, I think, all across yes, the board. they would. It would not affect my, – my belief is, one, one, it really wouldn't affect players' salaries that much because the NBA players are earning 51% of – or 50 – or 51, I forget which it is – of basketball-related income right now, unless you're renegotiating that too. So good luck with that. So it wouldn't really affect the actual salaries that much. It's just it's going to save them a few bucks on one end. Like – but it's not going to happen. It will. It's it's literally you go do some googling, kids. Set the search before 2016. Set it before 2012. Go back to the 2010s. You'll find that they would like to institute a hard cap. It's not happening. Don't worry. No. There will be and no because once you get there, it's just impossible to go back. Like you're seeing that with NFL contract. Like once yeah. you go down that road, man. It's... I I also think it's. I just want to also go back in time to 2008 me and mm-hmm. say, by the way, the NBA owners are complaining about wanting a hard salary cap again, and they're worried about the exorbitant sal- exorbitant cash and luxury tax payments being handed out by the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Nets, and see how 2008 2009 me would react to that. Can I can can I go back to 2012 and 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 just sit. Sit at the owners' meeting. Sit outside, you know, when they all had the pizza and all of that. Can I just sit outside the meeting, just legs crossed, like you know, like a little four-year-old, and go, "Hey guys, um, owners, I know you guys don't want to spend this much money, but you, 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 and you, you guys are going to spend a lot of money. So basically, everything that you're saying right now, you're basically going to be a hypocrite in like four years. So congratulations, yeah, bye." Yeah. Oh, and at least two of you are, are going to be running organizations staffed with sex pests, and there's a couple of racists here and there, but we'll, we'll you guys will figure that out soon enough. All of you people are terrible. Oh, Mark Cuban. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't complain. Don't complain. That was one of the more honest statements Cuban has ever given is in 2000, again, this was 2014, right when Donald Sterling, when they were figuring out what to do about the bad man who got caught on tape, is... Cuban said, I think we should be wary about punishing him because it's a slippery slope. And I was like, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a little bit of the point. You guys are all like uh, my personal point of view is that you cannot be a billionaire without doing some incredibly sketchy stuff. It is impossible. If you have that much money, even if you just inherited it, you are complicit in some, at, at bare minimum, complicit in some very, 
very, very, very nose-turning behavior. So yeah, Cuban does not want these guys don't want to don't want to like police each other. They don't want to kick each other out of the league, no matter what horrible things I, they do. I don't I don't know, man. Jim Ursay, he's basically like, look, y'all know my dirt. Which is why that no one wants like most of the NFL owners, no matter how much they think that Dan Snyder is a might think allegedly that Dan Snyder is a nincompoop and bad for football, they don't want to kick him out. They don't want the legal hassles of kicking him out, and they certainly don't want more attention put on any of them now that one one of their own has been given the door. But he basically, like, like, I, I love how Jim Ursay basically said, look, you know, it's like, it's that whole, it's that line without the finishing product of what are you going to do? Stab me? He <laughs> yeah, basically just said that to all the owners. And I'm like, you know what, Jim, Jim made some points. Also, uh, strong, strong take, got to respect it. <laughs> also, yeah, there's 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 no way that the NFL is going to tell Daniel Snyder to give up the ghost. And plus, I don't, I don't, I, 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 don't I don't think they're afraid that he's got blackmail on them. I don't think that's why. I think they, they just I, I, I think some owners could be afraid yeah. because I mean, honestly, Dan Snyder could basically just say, "Hey, I'm off the Kaepernick file." What are you going to threaten Jerry Jones with? Really? What? What? Can oh, you absolutely. Yeah, yeah. At like, there's, there's. You might as well try to win a drinking contest against Jerry Jones. There's, cannot, there's like, there's like a 25% allegedly. of the owners that don't care. There, there there's 25% of the owners that are like, fine, go ahead. Then you've probably got like 15% that are just like, oh boy, oh geez, oh god, oh no, let me, let me get my PR cycle. And then the rest of them are just like, so. Who want to, what city can I hold hostage to give me a new yeah. stadium? Yeah, Dan Snyder, I think, will be, be made, it'll be made clear to Dan Snyder that I'm sure there'll be some shenanigans where they'll, they'll figure out a nice way for him to sell on his own, but they're not going to actually vote to get him out of the NFL. Like they, the same they, should, way, they should tell him to put the same way it was him. made clear to Robert Ursay that he it was time for him to go now, but they're not. Oh, you mean Jim Ursay? Gonna, no, Robert, Robert Ursay. Robert Carver. Robert Sarver. Oh, that was time for oh, I was going to say. I was like, Robert yeah. Ursay. Yeah, Robert Ursay just moved the team, you know, yeah, in yeah, the middle yeah. of the night. Wrong, wrong, wrong Ursay. But, but yeah, like, Snyder might actually get out of the paint, but they're not going to vote to get rid of him. It was a very unique circumstance that got rid of Dan, uh, rid of uh, uh, Donald Sterling. And it really was just the, one of which was, of course, the tape. Succession season four, getting Daniel Snyder out of the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Logan so Roy my... buys the Washington Commanders. Oh, God. Just mm. put field turf on that field. Just, God. Can, I, can I make one point about succession that I really like? One thing that this, and this was just a me thing. Mm-hmm. One thing about, have you finished it yet, Chase? I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, I'm finished. Yeah, I'm finished. Okay, okay. You know the Chase and everyone out there in, in podcast land, you know the scenes where uh where 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 Brian Cox and and Jeremy Strong are going to the rich investor who has his own island mm-hmm. yeah, played by Adrian Brody to try to suck up, you know, to make sure they got his vote. Um but for the guy dresses like he had his assistant pick out the best things from a Land's End catalog for him to wear so he doesn't look like a pretentious rich guy. 
Um, it looks like Shield of Balfin, uh Disturbed. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So I, I when I was when I was well when I was when, when some friends and I had a theater company and we would go and meet with we met a couple of very wealthy people to try to get money from them, and they took us out to some very nice dinners, not on their own island, but we did get taken out to you know one time we got taken to to a full like tasting menu at Nobu that which was probably that probably was a $5,000 meal like um in and that was in you know mid 2000s I've eaten there so by it, the way once yeah it's right with family it's very, yeah it's very good I didn't know um, it was I've a big deal when there. we went when I was young I did not know that that was like a yeah, big yeah, yeah. big deal to go to Nobu it, it is it, it was more of a big deal then but it's still a big deal. In any case, we got mm. taken to some nice dinners by some very wealthy people who and they did pick up the check, which, which was nice of them for us starving artists. But they were exactly like that Adrian Brody guy. Wearing, like, wearing clothes that were very expensive, but intended to make them not seem like they're like they had a net worth that was at least between that was between nine and ten figures i'm they, a normal guy yeah i'm a normal guy i'm just like you man i and and the same kind of coy affability but mixed with con like a, a, no small like they know how much power they have over you and they're just going to realize that you are there literally singing for your supper and begging them for begging them please sir can i have some tape please my wet please please <laughs> And you're begging them to just grab a couple of coins out of their sofa and give it to us is the equivalent of the amount of money we were asking for. Uh, I think like we need we're doing a show with a budget that 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 probably cost about as much as as again, the clothes on his back. And the, the my point being, Adrian Brody's portrayal of that kind of rich person, 10 out of 10, no notes, spot on. I was I was watching that and I was going, I know that guy. Oh, I hate that guy. Oh, do I know I hate that guy? Because they picked up the tab for the meal but didn't give us any money. And all I could think was, wow, that was a great meal. But boy, that $5,000 actually could have helped made the play happen. <laughs> so that didn't really help us at all. You bastard. Oh, man. I'm not mad. I'm not so mad about it. I'm not. We mad. won't. We we won't tell the internet that you got mad. I got. Please don't tell. Please don't put it in the newspaper that I got mad. The Knicks are good though. Three and one. Knicks That's three and one. Happy. Jalen Brunson. He's playing really well. He's fun to watch. I like Jalen Brunson. The Knicks are good. I, I think they. Have no, 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 no. They're fine. Well, what's wrong with RJ Barrett? Why does he stink now? What what he's, happened to RJ? He's, he's 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 always had a little bit of a Kobe brain. Hmm. They gotta, they gotta work the Kobe brain out of his head. When he could be, he's his future. Like RJ Barrett's path to success is not, and it's not just because he's Canadian. Dissimilar to, to Andrew Wiggins. Mm. He he could be a very solid multi-position defender and capable of getting buckets, but he's gonna be. He's not going to be the primary ball handler and scorer for a winning team. So he's got to get that part of him that thinks that he is. Can he be Chris of, Middleton? Uh, his no, his jump shot isn't that good. Hmm. 
no. He's got it's weird because it's more of a Cam Reddish part, type deal. No, 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 the best parts of his game are kind of Jimmy Butlery, but he's not nearly as good as Jimmy Butler, and he's mm. not. He doesn't have the body control as, as Jimmy Butler. Doesn't have the strength of Jimmy Butler, and you know Jimmy Butler's been working on this now for ten years more than RJ Barrett, so he's a little more advanced, but. Uh, that's sort of the trajectory, and the jump shot is probably never going to be good enough so that it could be Chris Middleton. But he's he's it's it's the Andrew it's Andrew Wiggins is the mold that he should follow, and it, he's still trying to he's he's leading the team in shots right now, and hmm. and Brunson is a better one-on-one creator, and honestly, so is Randall. Even after the terrible year he had, he should he needs to move a couple of shots down the pecking order, and they'll. He'll do better. Uh, his defense has been genuinely not good the first four games. It's a little weird. It's affecting his defense, too. I don't enjoy playing the Pistons, Andrew. Uh, Trey went off yesterday. We play you again. I don't know why that's a back-to-back we, situation. We, we, uh, you don't play uh, I mean, yeah, they. I don't claim them. But no. I know <laughs> yeah, Detroit. I just, I the, don't. The team yeah, that I, you cover. Yeah. Is tonight um, teal night? Are they wearing the teal uniforms yes. tonight? So they got oh. the floor, too. Bob's going to hate it. Bob hates the Pistons teal. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate it. I just, I just don't know why everyone. They're good. All you actually good. I just don't know why you millennials are so obsessed with those teal uniforms. Because you saw them when you were babies. That's why. Because here's here's the thing about '90s uniforms. I said it last week, and I'll say it again. The uh-huh. reason why people want to bring that stuff back is because you've got this corporate just absolutely depressed no creativity i'm a joyless adult i design things jerseys that half the league i know here's the thing about creativity minimalism hold on minimalism uh, is not bad that's the best kind of jersey is the minimalist jersey like the jets the giants the falcons red helmets with the black jerseys like so many uniforms tennessee the power tee orange no, and no, white. no 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 there's there's things that work i'm talking about the we're going to do a cool we're going to do a cool redesign mm. of a logo okay. that's that's the thing that i'm just kind of like oh so okay like whatever the jazz easy. are right now which is just thank you like what is that be creative like you don't it's jarring watching the highlights can i I, i'd like to recommend a site for you for all you jersey aficionados there is a there's an nba there's a tumblr i went to tumblr man oh david David cern is a frog no that's a great tumblr i don't know if it still exists but it is a tumblr with Every NBA jersey ever worn by every team, even the Christmas oh, jerseys. Oh, yeah, one off. I've seen that. And it has, and it has the Pantone color listed. Yeah. On. So you can tell when the Knicks slightly changed the color blue between 1990 and 1991, and then again between 2011 and 2012. And that's an important thing for me to know. Hmm. That that's a fun. I I will go on there and just go. I'm going to look at the Chicago Bulls uniforms through the years. That's fun for me. That's Same. a good afternoon. Yep. I'll, we'll we'll put the link in the in the comments. I, so so I I so I also go to a Gridiron Uniform Database. The Gridiron and, Uniform Database. Oh. The helmet the helmet uniform database is also quite good because yes. it will often show the uniform and it shows like when they wear them as a as a throwback. The Gridiron Uniform Database is pretty good. 
and 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 it 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 really it's it is fairly comprehensive. I, I will give them credit. Yeah. The NHL, the hockey uniform database is also very good for that. Um, this is real. Who, this is real nerd ish, right? Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. If you want to look at and if you're into soccer kits, the site NASLJerseys.com not only lists the jersey, but it will make sure that they show actual game worn examples like the kinds that are available in auction and stuff like that so you can take a look at them not just yeah. from grainy getty photos of what jerseys they wore <laughs> fun like things that i didn't know until like two days ago the knicks changed their color blue a few times over the last recent years and the color orange oh you didn't notice that i did i mean i sort of got that they had moved to a lighter and yeah. color blue and less of a Less of a less of a deep royal blue, but I like now they, that I have the Pantone. I, yeah, mm. but they didn't change the floor, which I which I always thought was so. For a while, they didn't change the floor, but then they did change the floor. Yeah. Like it was it was a very floor. James it was a very James Dolan thing, where it was people, like oh. people like the blue floor. The blue paint yeah. is synonymous, and they went. They had an orange orange paint for a while. And it was just very ugly. Yeah. It was bad. Mm. It's bad. The blue paint is is back. Very nice. Nice, nice. I like that. I I I'm telling you, changing the the uh, there. I truly believe. One, it's if you ever said to me, Bob, you have to do a TED talk in five minutes. The history of the Knicks uniforms is something I could absolutely expound on for a good half an hour with no notes and no preparation. Adam but one. I believe that I should be allowed to redesign the uniforms of at least two-thirds of the teams in the league and that I would do a better job just me with some Crayolas and some paper. Maybe some maybe some fancy colored markers and not crayon, but I feel like I could still do an excellent job. Andrew, what's your pick of the week? <laughs> pick of the week is... Oh God, I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, watch some... Watch some World Series. Watch some. The, if you do not like sports during this time of year, go get a hobby. But if you like sports, you can't sit here and say, "Oh, there's nothing on." Either that or your team sucks. I don't know. Or you could have another take. Here's the Galaxy Brain take. There's too many sports, which is something I feel around this time every year. That's too many possible. sports. Yeah. Uh, too much is, going on. You could watch. You could watch hockey right now if you want. If you're so. I mean, I have the Preds recording. The Hawks play tonight. I have two things I need to watch. The World Series is tonight. There's the Vols right. tomorrow. All kinds of big college football games. There's, the Falcons are back on Sunday. NFL is on Thursday. Imagine on being Chase. Imagine being in a city where all four sports happen, and then you have a bustling college scene. Yeah, I don't want to have some fun. There's a there's a lot of stuff to watch on TV. It's true, and they're only so Andrew's many hours fun. in a day. Uh, Bob, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is cable television because I recently finally did go full cord cut. I cut the cord. Okay. Mm -hmm. I did it. I did it, and I I signed up to the one streaming platform that has the Knicks and the Mets, so I've got that, and I figured I'd be good. I figured that would TV? make me happy. Uh, no, they don't care the Knicks and the Mets. Hmm. Wow. I had to go Fubo. Oh, okay, Fubo. that works. Not that a works. sponsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fubo, not a sponsor. I had to go uh, Fubo. Um, and they're fine as far as streaming platforms go. This is not a paid spot. Um, but I think that's worth a paid you, spot. They're fine you as can't, far as... <laughs> You can't channel surf in the way you can with cable. Mm. 
it is very like if I want to switch from one thing to another, there's a good at least 15 second lag. Oh, and yeah, yeah. The entire point of cable TV to me, or television to me, really, is that it is not a choice. It is something that you let wash over you. So that if you're flipping dials and you say, oh, well, the core is on. I'll watch the last 15 minutes of the core. I would never choose to watch the core. That would be a ridiculous thing to do. I would never choose to say like, oh, look, they're showing the they're showing the 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 scene the the chase scene under the lower Wacker Drive in Chicago in the dark night. I've seen that m- many many times. I do, I have no need to see that again. But if it's on and I'm flipping dials, I'll say okay, I'll watch I'll watch the I'll watch the underground chase scene in in the dark night. Now you have to choose to watch that, and that is a kind of depressing and upsetting thing in which you think, oh, I'm choosing to do this. And you have to stay with it for a while because you can't just flip back and forth and watch two minutes of this and two minutes of this and two minutes of this and let the entire experience turn you into a, into a non-thinking ball of goo. That's to me, is the point of watching television is that you just sink into the couch and you can unplug your brain. If you actually have to make the conscious choice to, to participate in this crappy entertainment, that's not fun for me anymore. Now, I'm also cheap, so I'm not going to pony back up for cable. But I'm probably going to end up watching less television. It, I'm not going to choose to watch Diners, Drivers, and Dies for the billionth time again. I can, at this point, I can tell you what year an episode is from if they play a couple of minutes because I got attuned to the vagaries of, of Guy Fieri's like weight and hairstyle. But that's not a choice. That is something that happened to me. I miss the passive experience of television. It's actually, I'm not kidding. It's really kind of troubling. So my choice, my pick of the week is cable. It's it's too expensive and it sucks. But uh, you also miss it. I miss it a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. I miss this being able to watch it. Like I can't watch the Knicks game and then flip to something else for the two minutes that it's a commercial and then come back and then rewind it a little. The, it it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's very upsetting to me. I'm being a hundred. You're it's, really. I'm you really like upset. This was the thing that for, you know, decades of my life, I grew to enjoy passive cable TV sloth. And now that's gone. Hmm. Rough. Well, there you go. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And on that note. Uh, Anything to plug, gentlemen? Uh, No, no. We're just here to talk, man. We're not about plugging. Okay. No plugs from... uh... Bob, uh, Andrew, anything you like to plug? You wrapped up. Um, I know you had a post about Hail to the Victors today. Yes, we hit uh, over 10,000 listens. So, and yeah, going to be working on an episode tonight, actually. So, yeah. There you go. All right. Okay. Andrew, I was about to combine your names. Andrew Silverman, Bob, Bob Ham, Bob Bob Hammond. Bob Hammond and Andrew Silverman. Yes. Um, Thank you, as always, gentlemen. You have yourself a great weekend, and I will talk to you all next week.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.